Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Balance Wand Podcast, Soul on Fire. I'm your host, Jordan Younger. And today we have on one of my favorite functional medicine doctors and just an all-around incredible human, Dr. Will Cole. Dr. Will and I have crossed paths so many times in the wellness world, from back in the day at Mind Body Green conferences to events for Goop because he is Gwyneth Paltrow's go-to functional medicine doctor to so many mutual friends and more. You guys will hear about this in the episode, but when his second book, which is all about inflammation called The Inflammation Spectrum came out, I sent him a frantic Instagram message because I took the inflammation quiz in his book and realized that my inflammation was so high off the charts and he really helped me get back to some homeostasis in my body. And I'm so thankful to be healthier and less inflamed now. And his third book just came out called Intuitive Fasting. And you guys know anything intuitive is right up my alley. The celestial diet that I recently created is all about intuition. I think, and I know that Dr. Will thinks and knows that our bodies know best. Our intuition, our own individual body will always lead the way. And I really believe nobody can tell you how to eat or how to live, but you know what is best for you. And from there, it's amazing to learn from doctors and practitioners like Dr. Will Cole. He is so wise. I love his approach. He's very down to earth. He's a Libra sun and a Libra moon, which we get into in this episode. So you know, I relate deeply to his astrology. And I know that you guys will love learning about intuitive fasting. And I'm excited to share this because so many people in my life, friends that I'm very close to, have recently started intermittent fasting. I feel like fasting has been around for a while, but it's only gaining popularity with every passing day. You guys heard me talk about fasting recently in the episode with Dave Asprey. When I found fasting, it was all bulletproof style many years ago, but now there's many different styles and many approaches to fasting. And I especially love this approach because like I said, it's rooted in intuition above all. 
And his book makes it really easy to just dive in and go from there. In this episode, we talk all about intermittent fasting, what the benefits are, how to apply intuitive fasting to a vegan lifestyle. We talk about his spiritual practice because by far one of my favorite things about fasting, especially in an intuitive way, is how much it has helped my personal spiritual practice. We talk about how intuitive fasting can help with chronic health issues, specifically Lyme disease. We talk about metabolic flexibility, how to manage stress through diet, and so much more. I know you guys are going to love this episode. And before we dive into this conversation with Dr. Will Cole, I want to remind you that if you feel inspired to rate and review the podcast on iTunes, send me a screenshot to jordan at thebalancebond.com to receive my free yoga ebook and a personal thank you from me. And I also host a big wellness giveaway every week of this month to anyone who rates and reviews the podcast. So I would be honored if you took a few seconds or a few minutes out of your day to do that and then send me a screenshot so I can thank you and enter you into the giveaway. And before we get into this conversation, I would love to thank our brand new sponsor, Peak Daily Immune. So I have been such a fan of Peak Tea for many years, ever since I met them at a wellness festival, I want to say three years ago, and they lived in my neighborhood. So I've loved the brand ever since. This episode is brought to you by Peak. It is a super advanced plant-based supplement company. Peak combines the finest ingredients with cutting edge technology to create ultra effective and high quality supplements for your body. Lately, I have been loving their daily immune vitamin C. And I want to tell you guys why it is the best vitamin C on the market, in my opinion. So a lot of people don't realize that we don't absorb the vitamin C that we're taking. Studies show that you might absorb less than 50% of vitamin C when you consume amounts greater than 1,000 milligrams. So if you have ever had neon urine after taking vitamin C, that's why that actually happened to me not so long ago. So peak is... Is amazing because they're maximized for absorption with liposomal encapsulation technology. And if you don't know what that means, that's fine. Liposomes are made from the same material as the cells in our body. So they help deliver vitamin C exactly where we need it. They are non-GMO and soy-free liposomes in the capsules made with gentle on the stomach vitamin C, which is amazing for people like me with sensitive stomachs. And it's also formulated with black European elderberry. So yes, it tastes like fresh elderberry, which tastes amazing. What it does for you is it supports a healthy immune system. It supports your cellular health and it boosts your collagen levels and also helps with healthy aging. So if you see that glow that many healthy people have, it's usually coming from that natural collagen, which you can get from these daily immune capsules. What I also love is that it tastes amazing. It fits in your pocket and you can just squeeze it into your mouth. So you don't need a glass, you don't need water, you don't need a spoon. It's very easy. You can do it once or twice a day and it tastes so good that you start to look forward to it like I do. I take it twice a day and there's only seven clean ingredients in it. So no preservatives, no refined sugar, no additives. 
I trust this brand for my health far and beyond any other vitamin C supplement. Jonathan and I recently brought it with us on our vacation to Santa Barbara. I posted it on my Instagram stories. You guys might have seen. And they also have a 30-day satisfaction guarantee. So you either love it or you get your money back, which I think is amazing. So go to peaktea.com slash blonde and use the code blonde at checkout to get 5% off your first order plus free shipping. When you purchase a bundle... And that is spelled P-I-Q-U-E-T-E-A dot com slash blonde and use the code blonde at checkout. People are ordering two or more. So stock up before they sell out. I know you guys are going to love. Now let's head into this episode with Dr. Will Cole. We are so in love and yeah. we started as friends. Yeah. So that was really special that because cool. we were friends for years. Good foundation. Yeah. How did you meet your wife? We met online actually Ooh. back in the day when it wasn't a thing. Oh my God. What, so which I was, website? We did, it wasn't even a website. Oh. It was AI. You remember back in the day where there was AIM? Of like course a, I a, do. A, I grew up on AIM. That was my life. Are we life. a similar age? I don't know. Maybe I'm older. I'm 30. Oh, I'm 37. So okay. I'm older than you. But anyways, AIM. 80s, 90s kids knows mm-hmm. about AIM. And so she, I was such a weird kid. I was in high school and there was a drop down menu for where you lived and Uganda was next to United States. So I scrolled down and I, and in high school, made my profile as Uganda never changed it. Oh my God. <laughs> like that, I didn't think anything of it. It was right. like a profile I didn't even use. She used to live in Uganda. Oh, wow. And was looking for people that she knew. And she like reached out and said, hey, you're from Uganda. Like, let's connect about it. And then I didn't see it for a couple of days later. And then we just started going back. She was like a pretty girl. And I just started. Oh my funny? God, I love that. I, she wasn't looking for anybody. I wasn't looking for anybody. It just, just happened. So how old were you? I was, no, just turned 20. Oh, so you guys have been together for a long time. And what was your screen name? The most boring name ever, W. Cole. Oh, it was just your name name. (laughs) W. Cole. I had so many screen names, which were all crazy. (laughs) But wait, that's amazing. So then did you live in different cities or? Yeah, we lived here. And then we lived there for a little bit, came back here, then went back here. I mean, when you met, were you guys like long distance? We were... We were bicoastal for a while, but I was looking at schools out here anyways. So it was only like a couple of months. And I, when I came out to visit the school, I stopped and visited her. So it worked out perfectly. The synchronicity was beautiful. Yeah, that's amazing. And now you're married. You guys Mm -hmm. have kids. Yeah, two kids. How old are they? 14 and 11. Oh my God. You're a teenager. I know. I started young. How is that? It's crazy. It's trippy to see little... Like I call my son like a, a a man boy, you know, it's like a, or a man baby. He's like a, a little kid in like a big kid's, a young man's body. Yeah. So it's, it's, so it's wild. weird to see that transition. I know. But it's cool to That's see that. That's so fun. I can't wait for that. Yeah. I have nieces who are 17 and 13. Yeah. Do, you, and, what, do you guys want kids? Oh yeah. We can't yeah. wait to have yeah. kids. I've been focused on my healing journey and that's right. I'm pretty much there. Um, mm-hmm. which I definitely want to talk to you about. Yeah. But that's been the thing. My husband has wanted kids since we got engaged. Mm-hmm. He was like, now's a good time, which I would have loved as well. But my health has been such a struggle. 
And when I read your book, The Inflammation Spectrum, Mm -hmm. remember I messaged you and I got the highest number. It was in the high hundreds. Yeah, I remember that. I I remember exactly where I was. I was in New York in a taxi. And we talked about a few things, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, oh my God. So we have to talk about all of that. Yeah. But backing up a little before we do. So you're a functional medicine doctor. Mm-hmm. How did you get into that? How did you decide that that was the path that you wanted to go on? Uh, so I was a strange kid. I think in hindsight, I, 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 I was not a normal kid. I, I was interested in health and wellness from a very early age. My dad was a bodybuilder. And not that everyone in bodybuilding is into health, but he was into bodybuilding and health. Mm-hmm. It's part of his life. So I grew up going to the co-op and the health food store as a little kid. And then that evolved to me wanting to really be interested in this just personally. It wasn't just something we did at home. It was something that I had, I had an interest. And I read a book. Do you know Jordan Rubin? No. He started Garden of Life Company. And he, oh, cool. And then he's now at Ancient Nutrition with Josh Axe and doing that. Anyways, he wrote a book in the 90s that was called Patient Heal Thyself. And he talked about how he used food and fasting to heal and support his healing in uh, with ulcerative colitis and Crohn's and autoimmune conditions. So that was like a switch for me is reading that book. It was one of the things that was the precipice of it. And then I was... When I knew I wanted to go to school for this uh, since when I was in high school. So it's always been part of my path and it's mm-hmm. just an outpouring of that. So I graduated and we started from a, being a telehealth clinic from the moment I graduated. So we've always been a brick and mortar clinic, but I was be speaking and writing about functional medicine over a decade ago. Mm-hmm. So there'd be, there wasn't as many people talking about it. So there'd be people in different states and countries like just needing access to this right. stuff. So we started one of the first telehealth functional medicine clinics in the world. So that's so cool. We didn't call it telehealth then. We called it we, what we said is a virtual functional medicine clinic and oh, then wow. telehealth became a term later on. Yeah, but and now that's literally the way of the world. Right. Now doctors have had been forced to learn mm-hmm. about it overnight, really. Yeah. What I love about you is that you see patients all the time. Even when you're here in LA right now, you're seeing patients mm-hmm. and you're such a successful author, podcaster, speaker. You're very well known. And I feel like a lot of people at that point, they kind of stop seeing patients. Mm. Am I right? No, you're right. And you're I right. love that you see patients yeah. and this is this is your path. 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. That's what I do. And even wow. when I'm here doing the book stuff, it's mm-hmm. intermixed with patient stuff. It's a lighter patient schedule this week because I have to I get to talk to awesome people like you, but mm-hmm. uh, normally it's 40 plus hours a week. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And is that your favorite part of what you do? Yeah, absolutely. E- education and empowerment is my favorite part of what mm-hmm. I do. So that's a lot, like using labs as an educational tool and giving people answers as to why they're struggling and then giving them tools to do something about it. That's my favorite part of my job. I love it's that. It's so cool to see it implement. And there's this cool like science and art of what we do in functional medicine because it's like one thing to look at labs and and know like the protocols and how we really dig deep on that stuff. But then it's like, you know this, but like everybody, we're meeting people at different points of their journey. So something can be clinically relevant, but how do we make it, how do we meet them where they're at? How can I be there for them in the way that they're even looking for? Because mm-hmm. you can have a protocol that, that works great and it makes sense, but it may not be where they're at if it's their headspace or their bandwidth. Absolutely. So it's really cool to evolve the protocol to meet them where they're at because that makes it sustainable. 
you know, they can continue to do it. And sometimes the least, like a protocol that I wouldn't say is ideal, but it's pragmatic ends up being the most ideal protocol because it's sustainable for them. Right. No, that really makes cool a ton of sense. Yeah. So I remember when I first even learned what functional medicine was mm-hmm. when I was struggling a lot back in, I think I was like 23, 24, having mm-hmm. chronic hives, had been vegan and then wasn't vegan anymore. And now I am again, but mm-hmm. I was in this very weird place with my yeah. health. I gained 40 pounds in a year and- wow. It was Kelly Levesque, who I know you know, who yeah. said, I think you should see a functional medicine doctor because nothing else was really working. Mm-hmm. I got my hormones checked, changed my diet, got on tons of supplements. Is that pretty typical? Like that you would say those are some things that people should mm-hmm. look at? Yeah, I would say a good solid beginning dynamic with a functional medicine practitioner is a good comprehensive health history. Because the health history, we ask a lot of questions and we both in the health history forum, but then during the conversation that I'm talking to people online and obviously every functional medicine practitioner does things a bit differently, but there's a big deep dive at the front end to determine what labs are the most relevant for them. Because I don't want to be flippant and just casually running labs for the sake of it. I want to know, okay, as what are the most what are the stones, so to speak, that are most likely to have something underneath it? So we're going to get solid data from multiple labs perspective from their vantage point. What's going on? And these are labs that will determine action steps. So you don't want to be superfluous with labs, but you want to be, you want to be comprehensive, but still be cost effective. And that's, yeah, that's what people can expect. It's, it's a thorough health history, thorough lab, and then protocol to see it through. Because that's the thing too, is I see a lot of people that have had great labs ran or maybe labs that I wouldn't run, but they, they're they still good in their own right. But labs aren't the solution. So I think there's an epidemic, if I could use that word. There's a sea of people that have labs, but there's no manifestation on what to even do about this I data. I know, I know. Which is like, what's that even doing? Other than, you know, I just get it. And they're like, I don't know, someone ran it and I, <laughs> I don't even know how to make sense of this. Right. So it's like, it's done with the best of intentions, I'm sure. But it's like, okay, let's, do something about this to move the needle instead of just looking at the problem. Exactly. That reminds me of what I was just telling my husband, Jonathan, because I've been taking him to see this Chinese medicine doctor. And she first just kind of tells you everything that's wrong with you. And he hated that. And he wanted to leave. And he's like, I'm not doing the protocol. I don't even feel sick. But I was telling him, this is a based on solutions. This is that we're going to help. And this is what it does. So I love that that's what you do. Yeah. Hey, it's not a quick fix, but it's it's a sacred responsibility a for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a it's a change for sure, and it takes time. I'm with most of my patients for about a year and a half to two years. I so, love that. Yeah, it's a long time. And yeah, and you probably develop a really close relationship. Very with them. much so. That's yeah. how everybody should be with their doctor. It is. It's and it's not for everybody. Like you said, like a lot of times people when they get to a certain place or they write enough books or do enough stuff in their career that's not their passion, right? And that's fine. It's like they want to educate in different ways. There's no shame in that whatsoever. But for me, it keeps me very sharp. It's because it's like, I couldn't imagine not seeing people and seeing how labs, because it helps my writing. It helps everything. It helps my ability to even communicate because I can explain, I explain things 10 hours a day to people to make this stuff approachable and accessible and usable. So I, it's so uh, important to my work. Yeah. Yeah. And you see what people need to hear because you're seeing patients. So you're seeing what lands with people, what things that people have questions about. 
And so now you've written three books. Yes. So let's kind of go in order because okay. there's so much good info in each thank book. Thank you. Thank you. So Ketotarian. Yeah. How did you start eating that way? How did you find that that was helpful for people? So and what is it? I was a vegan for 10 years around that time. And I went from like vegan vegetarian because I would have eggs sometimes, but I was predominantly vegan for most of the time. And then that evolved to me being what I called in the book ketotarian. I didn't call it ketotarian when I changed the way that I ate, but I, as I was going on and started saying, seeing the rise of the conversation around keto, I wanted to have a conversation to say it shouldn't be, or it doesn't have to be either or. It could be both and, and that's been an aspect of my career throughout the my entire time with patients is, and my books is that let's harness the best of being plant-centric and plant-forward at least predominantly plant-based and the best of being keto adapted. And that's what ketotarian is. It's a clean ketogenic way of eating. It's flexible. It's not punitive. There's a lot of room for carb cycling and utilizing the best of both worlds. So ketotarian was born out of my personal journey with food and then seeing so many patients that are coming from the ketogenic community or coming from the plant-based community and wanting to say, oh, look, this is a tool, one of many tools in the toolbox that we can uh, leverage the benefits of both. Is that still how you eat now? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So it's not, so do you eat fish and that kind yeah. of stuff? Yeah. It would be like another simpler way to maybe that would help people understand it. It's sort of a Mediterranean ketogenic diet that's cyclical, meaning that if I want to increase clean carbohydrates, I do that. I use it as a tool to gain metabolic flexibility. And that's really what I'm talking about in my newest book, Intuitive Fast, yeah. because it's part of the same conversation. Right. I mean, ketotarian is a fasting mimicking way of eating. It's mimicking a lot of the same mm -hmm. benefits of fasting because high fat, moderate protein, low carbohydrate is it's supporting something called mTOR, which is the pathway that supports uh, longevity when you don't over support it. Fasting does that as well. They both support beta-hydroxybutyrate. So you, if you look at the research between ketosis or the ketogenic diet and fasting, you'll see a lot of same pathways explored because of its connection to beta-hydroxybutyrate. Right. Yeah. So the point is that's how I eat, but it's, I, I do a cyclical approach. So cool. Yeah. And then you wrote The Inflammation Spectrum. Yeah. And that was super helpful for me. Thank you. I read that book when I was so inflamed oh. and so sick. Yeah. And it helped me a lot. So Thank tell you. us a little bit about that. That book was like, if, if anything's my 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. job, that's a lot of our approach. I wanted to have a functional medicine guide if you didn't have a functional medicine practitioner. So it's a good launching point to learn about your body when it comes to inflammation levels. So all of my patients are somewhere on this inflammation spectrum. And there's seven main sections that I, and this is just my weird mind. So I had my friend, Michael, who drew the, the picture in the book. I just said like, hey, make it look pretty because in my mind, this is what it looks like. This is what I'm seeing all day long with people is that you have this continuum of inflammation cascades, but it's impacting hormones for some people, blood sugar for other people, detox pathways for other people, autoimmunity for other people. So there's a lot of far reaching implications when it comes to inflammation. And I wanted to put it all together because it's so nebulous for many people like, what the heck? I know inflammation is not good, but what does it mean? How does it impact my life? And I hope that it gave people a, aha, like I'm not crazy. There's something going on in my body. We have to know what we're dealing with to do something about it. So 
That's what inflammation spectrum is. Yeah, that's so true. I know. I remember listening to you on the Goop podcast yeah. with Elise. And yeah. she said something like, yeah, my inflammation is off the charts. It's like 70 or whatever she said. <laughs> I don't remember the numbers now. <laughs> and then I did mine and it was like quadruple hers. And I was like, oh God, I'm in a bad But it place. makes sense. I mean, you were well, feeling Well, yeah, it certain- actually gave me peace and comfort to know that that's not normal to feel that way. Because with me and my health, I started feeling so awful all the time for so long that I thought this is just normal. This is how people feel. People just push past it. That's what I have to do. Yeah, I did that for a decade or so. That was a lot. My goodness. I mean, it's so true. It's just because something's common doesn't necessarily mean it's normal. And that's Mm -hmm. just because it's your everyday doesn't mean you have to settle for it. And that is so many people's reality. Right. And I hope that through conversations like this or like through reading any of what I write, books that I write is that they have that realization that they don't have to settle for feeling lousy. And maybe that's just reading a book and taking some actions in your health. And that's enough for many people. Not everybody needs a functional medicine doctor. So these are tools that anybody and everybody should have. But there's obviously a time and place for labs and clinical monitoring and all that stuff. Totally. Yeah. And then your new book, Intuitive Fasting. I'm so excited about this because first of all, the intuition is so important to me. So doing anything intuitively, I love. And then fasting, that's been a huge part of my healing. And I think, I don't know if you know this, but I've done four water fasts. I know that that's not what you're talking about or promoting or anything, but I did four extended water fasts, medically supervised. I lived in a house with a doctor. That helped me a lot with the inflammation and lime and mold. So fasting is, I'm a huge, I'm a huge believer. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I, that's powerful. And I think that there's so many, so much promise and there's so many different ways to use the benefits of fasting. And I think these longer fasts are wonderful therapies for people that need it under the supervision of a doctor. And what I wanted to have is an approachable, you don't necessarily, you didn't need a doctor for this. And for most people, they won't. They would just be able to do it on their own. So it's approachable, it's sustainable, it's accessible to people. It's a subset of a type of intermittent fasting called time-restricted feeding or TRF. It's not about caloric uh, restriction. You're eating the same amount. You're eating healthy foods. You're just doing it in specific windows. But yeah, it's honestly from a writer standpoint and like an education, like a functional medicine educator standpoint, it's been my favorite book that I've written. I just have enjoyed the process so much and putting it in words and having it flow the way that it flowed. It's a great book. And I don't know, I'm partial, but I'm like, I'm so excited the way that it came together. And I think it'll help a lot of people. But it's interesting though. I didn't think about it. I'm in my bubble, right? I'm in Pittsburgh. I'm consulting people around the world via webcam. I'm in my bubble. I literally go home to the clinic, go home to the clinic, and that's it. I didn't realize how for some people it could be quite triggering to hear that word intuitive and fasting together. Like to me, I thought, okay, that's what I do. I, I intuitively fast. I teach my patients how to intuitively fast. It wasn't a thing. It wasn't a right. gimmick. It was just, I thought it was a good title for a book because I it, think it is. it's a good play on words in the sense of the prefix INT. So from a writing standpoint, I like the way that it looked, but it's really the message of knowing your body mm-hmm. and it shouldn't be triggering at all. But I didn't realize that this intuitive eating movement, which look, if it's working for you the way that it is and your labs look great, 
you feel great and you fasting doesn't, isn't, doesn't resonate with you, there is no shame whatsoever. Keep on doing it. But a lot of my patients, they've been very much helped with their relationship with food, their relationship with their body, and their health has improved with flexible, measured, intuitive fasting. So to me, it's the most uncontroversial thing in the world because it's just people getting feeling better. I think so too. And they're seeing it. It's like that saying, don't judge a book by its cover. They see those two words. I'm offending people on social media. I didn't mean to. And the book is anything but offensive. How is anything? Everything is offensive. I, I, it's, I wish it weren't that way. Yeah. But I learned this the hard way as well when I started water fasting, but I was sick. I was on my deathbed, as I say. So it's like, I, I was surprised that anybody would judge what I chose to do to actually get my life back. Mm. And so, I, and I talk a lot about intermittent fasting and intuitive everything, mm-hmm. but there's a part I think of the intuitive eating movement that is very quick to judge. Mm-hmm. And that makes me really sad. Yeah. So I hope that you don't get a lot of negativity yeah. because you're just, you're just helping people. Thank you so much. Yeah. I don't think it's that, you know, even if it is, I, once they read the book, no one's going to be able to say anything negative because it's so measured and practical. Exactly. Not, I'm, I'm not advocating people to have an eating disorder. No. Uh, this is quite a healthy relationship with I food. I think it helps people find freedom with food. Yeah. Especially when you start feeling better. Yeah. And actually, I've seen that on social media too. Like the positivity way outweighs the negative or the snarky or the keyboard warriors that mm-hmm. pontificate their opinions or are so offended about everything. I see a lot of people in the eating disorder, recovering eating disorder people that have told me they were on their own path. I had nothing to do with their journey. They just reached out to me to say, hey, this what you're saying with this book is absolutely true. Because when I was hormonally imbalanced, when my blood sugar was all over the place, when I had hangriness and fatigue and chronic inflammation, I could never have eaten intuitively. But when I started calming the inflammation levels in my body, when I started gaining metabolic flexibility, I was in charge of my health. Mm-hmm. I was in charge of my body and my food wasn't in charge of me. Yes. That's what I'm talking about. It's not anything but that. Exactly. Yeah. So tell us some things that fasting is good for. So fasting is, I'll give you the, the short eloquent summary and then like the deeper dive. Paracelsus is someone that I quoted in the book. He's known as the father of toxicology. He was known also as the Martin Luther of medicine because he was reforming medicine at the time in the late 1400s, early 1500s in Switzerland. Mm -hmm. He called fasting the physician within, which I I think is like a beautiful... Like that, on, that would be a great title for a book. Yeah, it would. <laughs> Physician within Maybe and how, book four. Yeah, right. How fasting resets and renews and recalibrates all these amazing things. So how it does that, I mean, if you look at Paracelsus, Hippocrates, from the origins of medicine, they all use fasting for their patients, not because there was a randomized control trial, but because they saw it being beneficial to exactly. healing. And that's why they're the fathers of medicine. I quote Hippocrates all the time yeah. when people tell me, what you're doing with fasting is so trendy and dangerous. And I'm like, here's a quote from Hippocrates. <laughs> this is ancient. Yeah. Food is medicine. Let thy food yeah. be thy medicine. Yeah. And he also said, all disease begins in the gut. He mm-hmm. said, let food be thy medicine, medicine and food. And he used fasting. Like research is catching up with Hippocrates. Mm-hmm. And that's why every doctor takes a Hippocratic oath. He knew some stuff. Right. And Paracelsus knew some stuff. But even not just the origins of medicine, but even if you look at in all uh, major indigenous cultures around the world, you look at Islam, Judaism, Christianity, they all use fasting for spiritual purposes and for health purposes. So this is nothing new. 
the pop culture bubble is new, but even when that zeitgeist passes, just like any other one in the health world, the truth remains, the science remains, the health benefits remain, whether people are paying attention to it or not. So this is something that is ancestral. If anything, it's taking us back to our birthright. If anything, what we're doing now is the new thing. <laughs> when you're looking at the totality of human history, how we're living our life in modern world, that is the fad. Yeah, exactly. If anything, Fast fasting is like getting us back to actually not living a fad. That's how I feel. Yeah. So it's decreasing what researchers call the genetic epigenetic mismatch. So our DNA is living in this brave new world and fasting and other tools are ways to decrease that chasm between genetics, our DNA, and the world around us, epigenetics. So fasting... There, there's a chapter in the book where I go over these five main factors of what makes fasting so freaking amazing. Number one, it puts you in a state of ketosis. So your body is producing what's known in the research as the fourth macronutrient. So we have protein, fats, carbs, and ketones. So it's not just a way to burn fat. And people that are underweight, like you're saying, like you, when you were at your sickest, people that fast actually can gain muscle weight because I see a lot of people with ulcerative colitis and Crohn's and inflammatory mm-hmm. bowel issues, maldigestive issues. They don't need to lose weight. They need to gain healthy weight, but their gut's not absorbing things and they are in a state of inflammation. So actually when you fast, it's A, beta hydroxybutyrate helps with building lean muscle mass, A, and B, it helps repair the gut absorb- absorption. So the foods you are eating are better absorbed. You can actually gain weight if you are underweight. So it's the great physician. It's the physician within it. If you need to gain weight, you can gain it. And you, if you need to lose weight, you can lose it because it's modulating leptin. It's doing a lot of things for people that have insulin resistance and leptin resistance. It helps to lower that. So this state of ketosis is as an anti-inflammatory state. So it's a signaling molecule. It lowers a lot of inflammatory pathways, which as a functional medicine practitioner, that's what excites me the most. Yeah, that's so cool. And it's in a natural, completely free way to tap into our body's ability to lower inflammation levels and upregulate antioxidant pathways and support these longevity pathways, supporting things like autophagy. I mean, everything from your brain, increasing brain-derived neurotropic factor, increasing mitochondrial biogenesis. I mean, it does everything. There's a long list from your your brain to your gut of what it's doing for you, but it's the physician within. It is. Tell us about autophagy because I always think that's one of the coolest things that happens when we fast. It is. So we all have autophagy pathways, but... A lot of it's dampened and downregulated and not optimal because of modernity, because of this genetic epigenetic mismatch. So it is breaking that word down autophagy. It's self-eating. It's, it's our body's innate natural recycling system that we can support very much exponentially support with fasting. So it's the... It's a cellular resilience pathways. It's sort of our body's anti-accelerated aging pathway. And fasting is one way to support that. So cool. Yeah. How can we do this whole intuitive fasting program in your book if we are vegan? Is there mm-hmm. a way to do it, you know, that yeah. way? Absolutely. Yeah. So let, let's talk about first. I mean, what I'm talking about with intuitive fasting, when someone's metabolically inflexible, and they're bound by cravings and their body's out of control and there's like no true north on like what's even good for them. That All of that is physiological 
proverbial noise in the body because that's going to drown out that still small voice of your intuition. Mm -hmm. So I want people to find authentic intuitive eating, be in control of their bodies and find food peace, but they have to have some semblance, Not doesn't mean they entirely are there, but they have some foundation of metabolic flexibility. So at that point, when they have proper hormonal signaling, proper neurotransmitter signaling, proper satiety signaling, blood sugar balance, they will be able to go longer without eating and they will be able to know, okay, this food makes me feel good. This food doesn't. That's optimal environment for authentic intuitive eating and intuitive fasting. So what, how we're getting there is these vacillating, ebbing and flowing fasting and eating windows. So there's, it's really at the heart of it is macro variability and food eating and fasting variability. You're not doing the same thing all the time. And I, the analogy that I use in the book is this, this proverbial yoga class for your metabolism. You're starting off with like a beginner yoga then you get dig a bit deeper and then loosen back up. So it's this constant sort of wave-like motion that I want people to expand and contract their metabolism to gain flexibility. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if someone shows up to yoga and has never done yoga before, they're gonna think this is unnatural, right? What the heck, how did the human body doesn't move like this? Yoga is not for me. Well, no, it's just something new. Mm -hmm. When someone's metabolically inflexible or metabolically rigid, that's like being on a musculoskeletal standpoint, rigid or inflexible. You have to keep showing up to that practice to gain metabolic flexibility. Right. So the, one of the weeks is the deeper fast. It's like that whole holding that, that warrior two pose where it's like, if you're new at that, it's going to be a little bit strange. But the more you get rooted in your body and gain strength and flexibility and resilience, it will be a natural, intuitive thing. So that's what I'm having people do. To answer your question specific to vegans, sorry, I got on a tangent there. All of that research, all of that practical application of fasting has little to do with the exact healthy way that you eat, right? So you don't have to adopt the exact plan in the book if you don't want to. You can eat the way that you eat. I would advocate not fasting your way out of a poor diet, but let's just assume start with healthy food. That's always the foundation. Right. And then from there, you can amplify your food as medicine protocol to the next level with these flexible fasting windows. So actually most of the recipes in the book are vegan. So yes, there's out of 65 recipes, the majority is vegan. So, so cool. they have plenty of options there, but then so this is what my continued conversation about ketotarian. It's there's vegan keto, vegetarian keto, and pescatarian keto options. And then there's beyond that, there's these omnivore options as well for people. And then there's a break the fast section, which has a lot of soups and stews, things that are gentle on the gut to transition you out of the deeper fast. Amazing. Yeah. So you can be vegan entirely. Love it. So how many hours a day do you eat for, like you specifically for your body? And then how many hours a day do you fast? This is what I do. And I want the same for people because when they cycle through the four-week protocol in the book and they could take the quiz again, like I, there's a quiz that I adapted from questions that I ask patients. They can retake that quiz after four weeks, see their score come down. And they're going to, a few things will be gained. One, They'll have a better understanding of their body. They'll have a more of a centeredness and a wet body awareness and their relationship with food in their body. And they've used food as a meditation, mindful eating and fasting as a meditation over the course of those four weeks. So they'll start to grow in intuition. And at that point, it may take two or three cycles for some people of four weeks to really get the hang of it. But what I want people to do is evolve the protocol that I put forth and completely change it to what works for them. 
That's bioindividuality. We're all created differently. So it's not going to look the same as you gain metabolic flexibility. You've used the protocol that I put together for you in the book as a template, as a starting point and a launching pad, but it's not your forever and ever. You can evolve the protocol as you evolve. That's intuitive fasting. It's like, I'm out of the way at that point because you know your body and you have agency over your body and your health. So how I do it is that exact, exact same way. So some days I will say, I feel, I, I want to fast. It's like, feels good at my when I start supporting beta-hydroxybutyrate, my brain is super sharp and clear. Inflammation levels are lower. I have optimal energy to consult patients throughout the day. I love that. I'll drink my tea and, that, and drink water, be hydrated, have some electrolytes. I'm great. The next day, I want to have a breakfast. Mm-hmm. And then I, I'll do a 12-12, which is what week one is in the book. And there's no shame in that. That's intuitive fasting. So there's this grace, there's this effortlessness, there's this lightness where it's not this, I have to do this. You show up for yourself and present moment awareness is a bigger part, a major part of this is that knowing you may have planned for this protocol that you thought like, I want to do this for myself with the best of intentions. It was of service to your wellness, but you wake up the morning and you're like, you know, I'm, I'm in tune with my body to know I don't need this today. I need to be lighter. I need to be gentler and not do a deeper fast that day. That's okay. So that's what I do. It's ebbing and flowing. So I range within all the cycles in the book. I do all of them, but I don't do them in the exact same order in the book because I have metabolic flexibility to know intuitively what my body needs at that moment. I love that. That's true intuition, true freedom. Exactly. It's freedom. Yeah. Freedom is what we want. Mm -hmm. So coffee, does coffee (laughs) break a fast? Or if we put something in our coffee, like what I have every morning Mm -hmm. is coffee with oat milk, but not oat milk with like oils in it or anything. I make my own or I buy a clean brand with no oil. So it's like frost oat milk in my coffee. It makes me so happy. And I tell myself that I'm fasting, you know, because it feels like I am. So is that breaking my fast? No, it's not breaking your fast at all. Because here's why. And the true dogmatic uh, fasters will probably, they would probably have a little bit of a different opinion about this. Many of them wouldn't, but let's look at the science around it. Fasting and being in a fasted state or a fasting mimicking state it's not all or nothing. You look at a lot of the research of the fasting mimicking research that Walter Longo and many other researchers are looking at is that you can get some of the benefits. So it's not all or nothing. Mm-hmm. It's a gradient of benefits. So let's look at that coffee. First of all, black coffee, you're going to get an agreement of most of the researchers and most of the, the fasting aficionados in the space would say a co- black coffee is completely fine. Some people would say for some people, it will raise, it'll impact uh, insulin receptor site sensitivity and it could therefore not be the most advantageous. I, I don't think that, the, I think that's too much of a granular overzealous opinion about it because that's not been my experience with my patients at all. It has negligible effect on glucose. I've measured this time and time again on labs. A1C looks fine. Glucose, serum glucose, fasting glucose looks fine uh, with coffee. There's studies to show that when you, especially if someone's not used to drinking coffee, when they first drinking it, cortisol can come up and then people automatically think that's a negative thing. That's not necessarily a negative thing. Well, cortisol is raised up during a fast too. Cortisol is raised up when you work out. It's not a bad thing. These are hormetic effects actually. Hormesis is one of those factors of fasting that makes it so good. It's this good resilience, just like your sauna back there. Sauna is a hormetic effect too. That doesn't make it bad, but it's 
the truth is in the middle. The truth is finding striking that balance where you can leverage these amazing benefits without thinking more is always better. So a sauna all day isn't good. Right. Fasting all day is like, or fasting forever and ever isn't good. That's starvation. Working out all day, every day is not good either. You need rest. So it's the yin and the yang. And to say one's great and the other one's not is overly reductionist and the context matters here. So the, I forget the, where, where was I going with that the question? I forget anyways. But, I don't remember yeah. either. Oh, we were talking yeah. about coffee. Oh, coffee, coffee, yeah. coffee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I'm sorry. No, I was thinking, so, I was already <laughs> thinking about something else too. I was thinking about what you said. I mean, too much of a good thing is not a good thing. Right. I love, I love that quote because yeah. I'm the person who would sit in the sauna all day or I, I'm pretty extreme. So to mm-hmm. remember, and I remind myself all the time, mm-hmm. moderation yeah. and intuition is really important. Right. Yeah. And so coffee, it's increasing lipolysis and it makes many people's fast easier. So if something's yeah. making it, your fast easier, enjoy it. It does. And it brings happiness. Right. And I think happiness is yeah. so important. And, the, and this little dollop of oat milk, negligible calories, negligible carbohydrates, so that's what I would put more in a, a fasting mimicking state. It's just a small amount. Right. You can go up and there's many studies that show that these modified fasts or fasting mimicking approaches, you can go up to a certain calorie threshold, especially with a certain macronutrient ratio, like higher fat, moderate protein, low carb. It's You're going to get most, if not all the benefits of fasting. So cool. Yeah. So a lot of people who listen to this podcast, like myself, have suffered with chronic illness specifically with Lyme disease. So what's your experience with that? And what are your tips for us? Yeah, wow. That's a major part of my patient base because chronic infections, these great imitators, these great mimickers that are going on in our world today, it could be something tick-borne, it could be something not tick-borne, but some pathogen. And we typically see this confluence of some chronic infection, whether it's Borrelia burgdorferi or Bartonella or Babesia, these tick-borne or insect-borne chronic illnesses. And we see a lot of mold issues as well, biotoxins. We see a lot of heavy metal issues. We see a lot of reactive Epstein-Barr virus, cytomegalovirus, herpes 6 virus, these other viruses, and other pathogens that we have to see that we don't even know until we run labs and we know what it is. I mean, every case is different. The point is we, we are very used and adapt to these chronic infections that then trigger this cascade of inflammation levels in the body. For some people, it triggers autoimmune issues. And at that point, a major part of what we do as functional medicine practitioners, specifically my type of clinic, we see these very complex, difficult cases. They are not difficult people. Their case is difficult. Mm-hmm. It's very complicated. And they'll be the first ones to tell you everything yes. that, like, whatever <laughs> they, they read, oh, this should do this for you. It does the opposite for them. Uh-huh. I see that time and time again. Oh, that's literally me. Yeah. I've been put on so many things that people find so much relief with. Yeah. And it will cause me, like, a brain reaction yes. or something where I walk into a loud space and have an immediate panic attack. Yeah. And I usually know what caused it because I'll only introduce one new thing at a time. Mm-hmm. It's been intense. It is intense. Mm-hmm. It's and you know I think that the catharsis and the healing for many people begins even before we even implement any protocol because they want to be heard and they want to know because as you know it's a very isolating place to be at of like okay I know my body I know intuitively something's not right and I'm told all over and over again with the best of intentions you're just depressed you're an antidepressant or you know you're 
You are, they're labeled with things like fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue syndrome. Well, they already know their muscles hurt. They already know they're chronically fatigued. That's not explaining why I have the problem in the first place. So they want to actually know what's underneath that hood, so to speak. What's causing those fatigue issues? What's causing the inflammatory flares? What's causing the fibromyalgia symptoms or however it looks, the autoimmune issues? So my point and my heart and my passion is really to say, what are the pieces to your puzzle? And everybody's puzzle pieces are going to be different. And if I hung my hat on the same puzzle and the same pieces all day long, I'd be proven wrong 10 hours a day. And I have to keep an open mind. And that's that science and the art of what I do is that knowing the labs, knowing the protocols, but it's meeting them where they're at, like I said earlier, and looking at the facets of their health journey. So it involves a lot of things, but it's dependent upon the labs and what the case requires. Yeah. So do you test a lot of people for Lyme? Oh, yeah. Every patient that is where it even looks slightly like it, Mm -hmm. if they have an out of control autoimmune response, if they have chronic fatigue syndrome, and you have to understand that's 90 some percent of my patients. So it makes sense to rule those things out because they're the great imitators, because they're the great mimickers. So I want to look at the most likely things. Could it be Lyme? Yeah, it could be. Or it could be something mimicking Lyme. Or it could be a combination of things where it is Lyme plus this, plus this, plus this. It typically is multifactorial because there's definitely, of course, more studies needs to be done on this. But I have seen over the years, some people that don't have a family history of autoimmunity, they don't have MTHFR gene variants, they don't have any other heterozygous, homozygous gene variants, their gut's healthy, they're just dealing with maybe a few hormonal problems. You can run a standard blood screening and maybe you added a Western blot or something like a lab like that. You will get some people that will come back positive for these conventional tests, they feel fine. They don't Mm -hmm. have any Lyme symptoms. So to me, it's not just the pathogen and knowing that pathogen, but it's that pathogen. How is that pathogen interacting with that person's biochemistry? And what is that perfect storm that for them was the tipping point? Mm -hmm. But for other people, it's living in harmony with their immune system. Exactly. I know. That's what I think about so much because everybody who I've met who's very affected by Lyme and mold and heavy metals, parasites, Mm -hmm. all those things, we, most of us, we have a lot of these genetic mutations that you're talking about and compromised detoxification pathways and all these different things that causes the perfect storm. Yeah. Right. So people think, well, you know, I, I was never bitten by, I mean, that's super common here too. Like I was never bitten by a tick. I never saw a bullseye I'm one of rash. Those people as well. I have no idea when yeah. I was bitten by a tick. I believe that it happened, right. but I don't remember it happening. Right. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, we, and we know the statistics, and these are conventional statistics that many people won't see that classic mm-hmm. sign or they won't show up in the classic way. And it'll be dormant for, for years for some people. And right. then it gets triggered in because of many other possible reasons. But yeah, those are the things. It's a journey. Like I said, I'm with them for about a year and a half to two years, but it's one of those things where we start seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. And I, something I said earlier that I don't, I think I finished the thought was that when that catharsis, that healing happens when they know they're not alone and they know, okay, we're going to figure this out. And I think if anything, the last thing they want me to say is like, everything looks great on these labs, even though they know intuitively like, this is not normal. Definitely. (laughs) And if I say that, I'm either not running the right labs or I'm not interpreting them correctly or both. 
it's just not good enough. It's not good enough it's not. to say someone in front of you that you see suffering to say you're just depressed. Well, who wouldn't be depressed if they yeah, felt the way that they felt? Exactly. That's not an answer. Yeah. And you know, for years, for years, I received only good news about my health, but I felt terrible. I was tested for everything. I was told all the things that you said. Well, maybe you're just depressed. It looks like you just have eczema. We'll just put a steroid cream on your eczema. Oh, that's probably just candida. All these things. Yeah. Where I knew this is not just candida. Yeah. I feel like I'm going to die. So I think it's incredible that you're doing these tests for people and that I can definitely speak to how validating it is to have someone understand you and just know like, okay, there's a reason that you feel this way and you don't have to feel this way forever. Right. Yeah. So that's the beginning of that hope. And then, of course, that's the end of it. Like I said, the labs Mm -hmm. are not the solution. The labs are just the action plan for the solution. Right. That's like the direction. But it's, it's when they start feeling better that the real game changer happens because this, there's this amazing, beautiful transition that happens clinically where it's not, it's a tipping point from protocol to owning it for your life. Because mm-hmm. at that point, that's the intuition that I get to see with my patients is that it's not Dr. Will Coles telling them to do this. It's that, no, they love feeling so freaking fantastic exactly. more than they like, they miss any, they don't really miss anything that exactly. makes them feel lousy. That's ridiculous. So that's authentic, intuitive fasting. That's authentic, intuitive eating. That's authentic intuition of what, oh, so much of what you speak about so eloquently. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm talking about with intuitive fasting. That's what I talk about with my patients. So again, this is not controversial. This is make, getting people feeling exactly. better and their labs are improving. Who can ignore, who's going to fight that, right? Yeah. If you see someone biomarkers improve, you have to be a pretty nefarious person to be against someone's inflammation levels coming down and their markers improving. I agree. I mean, and you talk about it from such a scientific standpoint with the labs and everything, like mm-hmm. there's no arguing with that. No. So it, yeah, exactly. I love that. I want to talk about the spiritual component Mm. of your life and intuitive fasting. That's a great question. Thank you for asking me. People don't normally ask you that stuff. This is a a spiritual podcast. (laughs) That's right. But can I say, first of all, I love your post recently of you really coming in and like learning in a deeper way of your spiritual self. It really resonates with me. Thank you. Thanks for putting it out there. That's so nice. Yeah. So... It's a major part of my clinical work with patients because look, dealing with past trauma, that's the other piece of the puzzle for people. It's like that perfect storm, part of that storm for many people, especially my patients, it's all the physiological stuff, then it's the mental, emotional stuff and the spiritual stuff that's impacting the physiology. So that is this bi-directional relationship between our thoughts and emotions and spiritual walk and your physiology. When you feel like crap and you have chronic infections and gut issues and inflammation and hormonal imbalance, that's going to impact your mood. Like when you're told you're just depressed. Well, yeah, all this stuff's driving inflammation levels in my body and I feel like crap. But then on the other side of it, it is toxic work environment, unhealthy relationship, past childhood trauma. That stuff impacts your physiology. It raises inflammation levels up and perpetuates that cascade and flare-ups for people. So you have to do with both sides of the coin. So it's a central part to my work and you have to do with both. Sometimes it's just us bringing awareness to people and coaching them on, on practical tools. Sometimes it's referring out in addition to what we're doing in functional medicine to a trauma specialist mm-hmm. or an eating disorder specialist or 
psychiatrist, like whatever's needed. I mean, another word for functional medicine is integrative medicine. Mm -hmm. Back to my earlier statement about ketotarian or intuitive fasting, these seemingly paradoxical things, just like functional medicine, seemingly paradoxical. It's not either or, it's both and. Let's find the best tools that work for us that's going to enhance your health in a positive way. So that's that clinical stuff. The personal stuff is it's a major part of my life. I mean, it's, I can't show up for my patients every day when I am not at my best or at least focused on being my best. So it's mindfulness meditation, holding space for people, present moment awareness, all these things that I've implemented just mainly through Eckhart Tolle's work. He's been my probably my biggest source of practical stuff that I have integrated over the years to be a better conduit for holding space for people that are going through really heavy things. And it helps me not hold on to it as, yeah. a, as a practitioner, which you can get bogged down by that, that heavy stuff. Yeah. So I have to constantly be intentional and our mutual friend, Kelsey, has helped me with that too. Oh my God. She's helped me so much as well. <laughs> she's like, you need to let go of that brother. Mm-hmm. That's what she she's, tell so, me. she's so good with that. Yeah. So Kelsey Patel has been another big mentor in that way of checking myself mm-hmm. to say, you need to make sure you're taking care of yourself in that yeah. way. Because 10 hours a day, and she used to see people with Reiki for 10, over 10 hours a day. And it's very similar. Even though it's via webcam, we're talking about Vera, very heavy cases and people that have gone through a lot of suffering. So myself and my team, we start our morning off in prayer and meditation every morning. I love that. (laughs) Collectively as a team. So we go over the clinical stuff, but that's after the prayer and meditation. So it's a special time when we get united and on the same page and we do either a breathing meditation or a prayer or, and speaking positive words that oftentimes after the weekend, someone will come in and they'll have things written down on their phone or they'll say, I, this has been on my heart. This has been, this is how I think we could be a better service to people. And it's just this common bonding, elevating, centering moment that we have as a clinic. And then after that, we go over the clinical stuff of like, let's look on the schedule and, and be there for them in the way that they need. So it's a major part. That's just the morning stuff collectively, but on a personal side, it's throughout my day. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. It's just integrated into your lifestyle. It is. So you can't cool. separate the two. Yeah, it's all one. Yeah. It's all one. And then the bracelet that you're wearing, is yeah. that related to Kabbalah? Or yeah. is it, it is. Mm-hmm. So is that something that you practice? Yeah, I've studied it since I am 37 years old now. And I studied it since I met my wife at 20 years old. Oh my God, no yeah. way. Yeah, so it's Let's been amazing. Let's talk more about that. I yeah. love Kabbalah. Okay, cool. Yeah, so it's like, I'm a Jewish hybrid sort of guy. And Me too. <laughs> okay, Are you cool. half? Yeah. Mom's side or? Yeah, my dad's side is. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm half from my mom's side. Yeah. So, and they were not practicing. They were actually Christians, but just from a heritage standpoint. And there's something deep on a soul level to me that it resonates with me. That understanding of the universe and understanding the way it just makes sense to me. It resonates with me. It may, it makes sense to me on a deep spiritual level and a metaphysical level. So it's been a major part of my spiritual walk for sure. Wow. So did you have a teacher or something? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've had many over the years, but now it's more like living in Pittsburgh at this time in my life. It's more of just a personal journey. Mm -hmm. Not so much that I have a teacher, Mm -hmm. but yeah, it's been a, a, to me, it's, it's the laws of the universe. It's cause and effect. 
And it's in a non-dogmatic way. Mm -hmm. It's like, you can believe whatever you want. It's to me, it's just, it's cause and effect. And and to me, it makes sense of things that don't always make sense. Um, So it's fascinating. And to look at the sort of uh, codes or the inner meanings, the soul of the Torah is fascinating for me as well. So yeah, I I could talk about it forever. I know, me too. I'm so fascinated. That's so cool. And that was one of the first things I noticed, your red bracelet. (laughs) So cool. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, so I want to ask you some of the rapid fire questions that I ask everybody who comes on. Where do you see yourself in five years? You know, what I really want Clinically, I was just talking to my clinic manager on the way here on the lift ride over here. I was like, you know what? We want to take this group class model to the next level. So we normally do 10 hours a day, one-on-one concierge via webcam. That's what, what we mainly have done for the past 10 years. But recently, we've launched this group model where we're able to talk to 100 people in an hour and a half, two hours for, versus that taking up days and days and days of consults. Plus it creates a community for people that are marginalized and isolated. They're stuck in their homes because of their health flare-ups or they no one understands them where they're at or their, their family doesn't even understand them. So I feel like this group telehealth model is uh, enabling people to have a community. They're not isolated on a just a person-to-person level, but it enables us to help more people in a more efficient way. And we're able to lower costs as well, our overhead. So we're able to make it more affordable and more accessible. So in five years, like that's where my focus is professionally is like, how do we get functional medicine more accessible, more affordable to more people? And how do we, as clinicians and practitioners, how do we keep our bandwidth open so we can be of best service to our people? So that's what I was, that's what I'm consumed with right now. <laughs> You'd think it would be intuitive fasting, but it's actually not. Yeah, right that's now. amazing. Yeah. Do you know your sun rising and moon signs? It's on my phone. Do you let's want, look, pull let's it pull it up. Okay, we got to so pull is, it up. This is the perfect podcast and the per- 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 I'm talking to the perfect person to talk to this yes. about. Do you know Jennifer Freed? Yeah, I know who she is. Okay. So Jennifer Freed is a sweetheart. I love her so much. And she, you mentioned Elise Lunen uh-huh. at Goop. I said, like, I, I just wanted like life advice. It was about the, I was actually about the group classes, what it was. Uh-huh. This has been a two year, this is two years ago. And I, it was about the group class and wanting to know how, like what I know it's, it's a download for me, but I don't know how to make it happen. And she said, Elise Lunen, shout out to Elise, said, you need to talk to Jennifer Freed. And I, I think I met her once, but we just hit it off like so much. So I set up a phone call with her and there we go. So I, in all candor, I don't know much about astrology. She's teaching me some. So I wrote it in my phone. Oh, good. Okay. So, so we've got could, a whole list. You could, be, I've just come from a functional medicine stuff, but I'm open. I'm we curious. We can do a little reading. And I, yeah. So you tell me what this is. Okay. I'm a sun Libra and my moon is Libra. Ooh, you're a double Libra. When's your birthday? October 5th. I'm October 11th. What? what? Libras are my favorite people. Yes. You know, I was just talking, not to name drop, but Gwyneth Paltrow is a Libra as well. I know. I love her. Yeah, she was like, <laughs> she told me the same thing. She's like, Libras are the nicest people. Libras are the best people. Yeah. When I found out that she was a Libra, I was like, <laughs> literally, of course. I mean, <laughs> so many people that I love yeah. are Libras. So you're October 5th and you're yeah. a Libra moon. Yeah. What does that mean? Okay. So I'll tell you what it means, but also what's your rising? Do you know? Okay, yeah. Which would be your ascendant. ascendant. Taurus. Mm-hmm. 
okay, so your Taurus rising. Can I just see the whole thing? I want to kind of just, your Pluto's also in Libra. Mercury, you have a lot of Virgo. Sagittarius, Gemini, you're pretty balanced. As a Libra, you're more balanced than I am because I am all air. So, you know, Libra is an air sign. And my entire chart happens to be air, a little bit of water. Mm -hmm. But I don't have any earth and I just have a little bit of fire. But you have, your rising is Taurus, which is earth. And then your Mercury, Venus, and Mars are all in Virgo, which is more earth. So you're pretty balanced. Mm -hmm. So what it means to be a Libra moon on top of a Libra sun So your moon sign is, that's your emotions. Mm -hmm. That's how you kind of naturally came into this world. The sun sign, as it's been explained to me, is something that we're always trying to become more of in in this life. Mm. But the moon is very natural to us. So a lot of people feel more connected to their moon than their sun. So you, being a double Libra, you're just so Libra. (laughs) And I see it in you. (laughs) Libras are very charismatic, friendly. I balanced, but we also like strive for balance, struggle with balance. Yeah. Indecisive. Are you indecisive? Yeah. Yeah. I am the most indecisive person and it's being such a Libra. Because I overthink it. I just... Exactly. That's part of the reason why I reached out to Jennifer Freed because I was like, I don't know what to do with this. Yeah. And she gave me direction through this. Oh, good. How I could explain this is that list that you're reading off and I knew nothing about it. I just was like, open mind, like, let's see what this can do for me. And just curious about it. She, it was like having 10 therapy sessions in one yes, because of what because she it's knew so off tailored, of that. It's so tailored to yes, you. Yes, exactly. Just like functional medicine. Yeah, exactly. I love astrology for that reason yeah. so much. And we talk about the Kabbalah, Kabbalah earlier. That is, I mean, you look at the Old Testament and the Bible and Christians and even Jews, don't they don't realize the beauty, that's the spiritualism that's exactly. in the Old Testament. Talk about Yom Kippur and Rosh Hashanah and all these festivals that were at. They're all on new moons and full moons and specific mm-hmm. times. And I w- heard it even said, a rabbi told me once, and I don't know if this is true or not, but I, I think it sounds true to me, is that in the Bet HaMikdash, in the Holy Temple, there was zodiac signs in the temple. I believe it. So yeah, it's it's like all oh, a God thing to me. Mm-hmm. I know. Yeah. I think everything comes back to that. Yeah. Because astrology is, it's so, it's so spiritual. I mean, yeah. it's like literally where the planets were when we were born. Right. I believe that fully. Right. Oh, I love that you're a Libra and a Libra <laughs> moon. And then you're a Taurus rising. That's yeah. how the world perceives you. That's how you're perceived by others, the rising, which is very grounded. Tauruses are all earth, maybe a little bit stubborn and just, yeah, very grounding people. Cool. Yeah. I love it. That's so a- do you know your human design? No, but I've heard that I get comments on social media that says that like changed their life. Yes. Do you know I- what time you were born? In the evening, I don't know. But you don't know the okay. Yeah. Well, maybe later you can send it to me. I will if you have your birth certificate or yeah. one of your parents has it. I'll look up your human design. All right. I would love to know. Yes, I think I'm pretty good at guessing people. Sometimes I think you would be a generator or a manifesting generator. I could be wrong, but that would be a very like self-generated person with mm-hmm. a lot of energy and like it seems like you make your ideas happen. You mm. you bring your ideas to life mm-hmm. pretty easily. You could also be a manifester. Mm-hmm. I'm a reflector, which is a very, it's 1% of the population and it's, we're mirrors to people. Wow. So I'm always to live in alignment with my design, trying to be more of a clear channel, which is why I love fasting. Yeah. And so that I can really reflect people 
back to themselves. That's, I love that. That's my purpose. Yeah. I've, I, I definitely could see that in your life. Mm-hmm. Like I said, even with those, these recent posts and what you're putting out into the world, it, it was reflective. So that's that makes what I sense. want. Yeah. That's, yay. That means I'm living yeah. my design. Yeah. That's good. So we'll look up your human design. Who is your inspiration? Mm. Well, I could give an answer that is the truth for me, but it's going to sound cliched, but it's absolutely authentically true as my wife. She is my inspiration. So I've known her since I was 20 years old and we grew up together. It's, we had an unconventional marriage in the sense of who the heck gets married at 20 years old and has kids really young. And I got to grow up with her and she's an amazing human being. So she's like my Yoda in a way, but like a beautiful Yoda, not like Mm -hmm. a little green man Yoda. (laughs) (laughs) But so she's definitely my inspiration. Amber. Amber. Yeah. So amazing. Yeah. I would love to meet her one day. She's beautiful. Yes. You guys would love each other. I'm sure. Yes. We'll have to make that happen. Yeah. She's an Aquarius. So whatever that means. I love Aquariuses. Yeah. So you guys are an air air sign couple. And my and my son is cancer, so that's water, right? Yeah, water. Mm-hmm. And my daughter is a Taurus. Oh wow, birthright. you guys are pretty balanced. Yeah. That's we just don't good... have a fire in the family. That's we don't have. I know. Yeah, I know. My husband is a fire sign. Right. He's Leo. Oh wow. He's very Leo, and so is yeah. my dad. Two uh, cool. Leos. Yeah. So it's, cool. I'm obsessed with astrology. Yeah. That's so your awesome. wife's birthday. When's her birthday? February sixteenth. Cool. Yeah. So it just happened. Yeah, it just happened not too long ago. Do you know about the Enneagram? Have you ever heard of that? I do. Yeah, yeah. I do. I, I posted about it before and then I was told by people that it's not polite to ask what your Enneagram was because really? it has to do with your childhood, I guess, trauma. Oh, I didn't so even I was know that. Ask, I, well, I thought it was like a personality type. I know, but no, apparently the, the origins of it is like, it's very personal. Like I'm oh. fine. I'm Enneagram five. Okay. So apparently that's like an analytical, like, like an investigator. Mm-hmm. So- you know, you know, you're I'm a four. Oh, okay. I'm an Enneagram so creative, four, like which is independent, right? Indep- I think it's yeah. called the independent yeah. or something. I was kind of surprised. I would like to take a, like a deeper test because that was just like a basic test. Yeah, yeah. But the independent, creative, it definitely described who I am. Yeah. And then there's like the wings. Yeah, I'm a five wing six. I think I'm a four wing three. Oh, okay. Um, I still have a lot to learn about it, but yeah. I think it's so interesting. It is Anything. I love it all. I love the Myers-Briggs personality. Yes, me too. What are you? I don't know my Myers-Briggs. Oh, I think I'm an ENFJ. Yes, but I, I, I definitely would be an I something, but... Yeah. Introvert. Oh yes. You seem like you're not an introvert. No, I am an introvert. Believe me, I love people. Mm-hmm. I love people, but I just like fueled. As I think, because I'm talking to people ten hours a day, I just definitely need fueled with some stillness and me silence. Too. I'm an introvert, but yeah. I all the tests tell me that I'm an extrovert. But I definitely recharge alone, and then being a reflector, mm-hmm. that's like a very introverted type. We yeah. are very. We have to be alone. We're encouraged to only be around people for three hours a day, which I love. And I can actually do that in my lifestyle. And I need it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Beautiful. I know. So coffee or tea? Tea. Earl Grey tea. Earl Grey tea would be... I'm not picky with tea. I'll Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll never turn down a cup of tea, but Earl Grey tea is probably my favorite. Amazing. Are you a night person or a morning person? Morning person over a night person. What time do you wake up? Uh, dependent, uh, I would say between six and six thirty normally. Oh, that's pretty early. And then, yeah. In Los Angeles, when I'm jet lagged from the East coast, 
it's 3 a.m. My body's like, mm-hmm. get up. Exactly. Like, no, go back to sleep. The time change. Yeah. If you had the chance to meet anyone, who would you want to meet? I probably, I've been really fascinated with Malcolm X recently and like his life and just so misunderstood, I think. So he was a beautiful soul. So mm-hmm. I would say him right now. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So I can ask you this question. I don't ask everyone this, but I know that you are a Bravo fan because we talked about yes, this. Yes. Who's your favorite housewife? Oh man. Well, I have to say, I guess because I just did an Instagram live with Tamara Judge. She's not on the show right now, but can I say her? Yeah, Tamara <laughs> counts. I think my favorites are no longer really on the show either. So yeah. Yeah. Who's yours? Well, I love Tamara. I've always loved Vicky. I think Vicky is yes. hilarious. <laughs> and I was a Lisa Vanderpump fan. Oh, okay. She's yeah. Gone she's, she's gone. I know. Yeah, but uh, uh, but uh, uh, Beverly Hills, I like Erica. I love Erica. She's she seems very likable. And yeah. Cool. yeah, yeah. What about Salt Lake City? Salt Lake <laughs> for viewership, like from a viewer standpoint, it's Mary. Yeah, she's amazing. It's it's Mary is unintentionally. She doesn't realize it. She's hysterical and so uh, eccentric. She totally is. Yeah, love her. Yeah, I also love Heather and Meredith. Yes, they're all cool. Good, I, know, I like that. I like that cast for sure. I know. Amazing. So where can everybody find you? Thank you so much. Everything's at drwillcole.com. That's D-R-W-I-L-L-C-O-L-E.com. Instagram at Dr. Will Cole, all the, all the things. Yeah. Amazing. And then if you could leave us with one tip, what would it be? Health tip or anything really? Mm. Well, a major mantra at the clinic that I think would speak to your audience is you can't heal a body you hate. You cannot shame your way into health. You cannot obsess your way into wellness. I want people to know that. It's a message that I say a lot, but it's a, it's an important message because a lot of times people can go in with a great health tool, but coming in and using that great health tool with a sense of shame and punishment. And that's the antithesis of sustainable wellness. I love that. Thanks. Oh my God. I think that's so true. When I started to really love my body, everything about my body and just not think about changing my body Mm -hmm. or what was wrong with it or anything. I think, I mean, I know that's when I started to heal, truly heal. Yeah. That's so beautiful. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being here. This is so fun. Appreciate it. Of course. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode with Dr. Will Cole. He's so amazing. I learned so much from him in this episode and I could have talked to him all day about his astrology, about Kabbalah, and of course about intuitive fasting, intuitive eating, all things predominantly plant-based lifestyle and beyond. And I also want to thank our incredible sponsor for today's episode, Peak Tea. I love Peak. Their daily immune supplement has changed changed my life. So be sure to go to peaktea.com slash blonde to get that special deal. Try their daily immune. Notice how it will change your life, boost your collagen, make you feel really glowy, boost your immune system, all the things. They're so amazing. I'm obsessed with this brand and I'm very excited to be partnering with them on the podcast as a new sponsor. So show them that TBB love over at Peak 
P-I-Q-U-E-T.com. That is P-I-Q-U-T-E-A.com slash blonde, code blonde for that special deal. Also, if you feel inspired to rate and review the show on iTunes, I would be so grateful. And if you could send me a screenshot to Jordan at thebalanceblonde.com, then I can thank you and enter you into this week's big wellness giveaway. Thank you guys so much for being here. I'm so happy to connect with you always. Also, one final thing. If you haven't checked out TBB Podcast on Instagram, head over to that account. We recently revamped it. There's somebody new working on it. The aesthetic is very special, very vibey. It's a whole mood. So head over there, check it out. Tell me what you think. I try to get back to all the comments and all the DMs as always. And I hope everybody has an amazing day. I'm sending you so much love. So thankful for you. And we'll talk soon. Mwah.